Sunday Social. When I see you smile, it feels like I'm falling. It's not for anybody else to know. The way your face could light the bitter dark of every street in every town I'll ever go. And welcome to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through until 8 o'clock. New Zealand Music Month, of course, rounding out not as much of a big deal as it was a few years ago, but maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe New Zealand music has become just the norm, like that beautiful, beautiful song from Beck Gronger. Welcome to show number 212. It's wild outside, pretty much from one end of Aotearoa to the other. So I hope you're warm inside, snuggled up, cup of soup, or maybe a fancy bowl of soup, you fancy people. And uh, looking forward to joining me for the next hour on the internet, social media, apps, and all that jazz. I'd love you to be part of the show. Text me 3920, keyword live, that'll pop up in front of me. You can always, always tweet me. You can even tweet me when the show's not on, at Vaughan Davis. I'd love to uh, to chat with you via that channel later on. Anna Connell, Anna G. Connell joins us with some spooky news for anyone who owns an Amazon Alexa. We've got the end of passwords. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? Who's not sick of passwords? We've got news that might bring about the end of passwords. And this is, well, I guess it's not that seasonal because it's winter, but we've got it anyway, an app to get kids gardening. First, though... a land of small businesses and self-employment, which, as one clever man once noted, gives us the freedom to work every hour of every day. It also gives us the obligation to manage our own income tax, provisional tax, GST, ACC, KiwiSaver, and more. And that, for some people, can be more hassle than running the business itself. Then along came Henry. Henry is a new Kiwi fintech, that means financial technology startup, giving self-employed people the freedom to focus on their business by automating all that stuff. Co-founder James Fuller joins me from Wellington. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm a box of birds, despite, you know, despite being a business owner and having to do all that stuff that I just talked about. It sounded quite depressing. Um, what is Henry in a nutshell? So Henry is a service that uh, it takes all the hassle and stress out of being self-employed. So it takes all of that tax and compliance away. So that actually you can focus on getting a job done. So it sort of turns self-employment tax into pay-as-you-go, just like having a permanent job somewhere. So the, the status quo, and this was the case for me when I was um, self-employed and the case for me now when I own a business, is every month or two months or six months, depending on how you schedule these things, you've got to do a big GST return. You've got to, uh, you've got to pay your provisional tax to make sure that you don't get to the end of the year with a great big surprise. And if you forget 
or deliberately decide not to do these things, um, great pain, great pain awaits you down the track. That's that's the problem you're here to solve, right? That's right. That's right. And for a lot of people, that's a that's a confusing and stressful experience. And, and that, that doesn't just that's not just reserved for those those sort of two six or twelve month period. It's kind of a constant nagging fear that a lot of people have that maybe things are, are you know they're not putting away the right money or they might be getting things wrong. Um, so with Henry, we make sure that that people actually are paying as they go. So they're taking all of that worry away so that they can actually focus on doing good work for their clients or spending time with friends and family rather than trying to trying to worry about tax. Because I, I guess the, the, the seductive thing about uh, moving from employment to self-employment is, you know, after three or four months, you look at your bank account and you go, whoa, I've got lots of money in there. <laughs> and you don't really have a clear picture of how much of that really should be set aside for, you know, this month's GST payment or this year's tax payment, right? No, and it's really difficult to it's really difficult to know. Um, I mean, I went out self-employed probably about three or four years ago. Well, both myself and my and my co-founder Claire went out self-employed, and we did exactly that. We sort of looked at that money, and you never really know how much is yours. And uh, and with all the best will in the world, and with an accountant, we still got stung by an ACC bill at the end of the year that we weren't expecting. And it was a very kind of confusing time when you realise that when you go out into self-employment, you're just kind of expected to know all of your tax and compliance responsibilities right from day one. So what, what can the consequences be as a self-employed person if you get this stuff wrong? Well, it, I suppose if you look at um, inland revenue, um, the, that can be anywhere from fines and penalties and compounding interest through to actually we've heard, we've heard stories of people being made uh, forcibly bankrupt by inland revenue who then can't actually continue on in their career. And one of the things that we're always conscious of is some people don't necessarily take the active choice to be self-employed. So you look at uh, career drivers, for instance, or people who work in the film and TV industry, their, their entire industry is is self-employed. So when we started Henry, we said, well, actually, how do we help those people who haven't maybe taken an active choice to, to go out on their own, but actually just by virtue of the work that they do, um, they need to be independent contractors. So let's just talk through how it actually works, because we haven't really explained that. So at the moment, so, okay, let's say I'm a florist, uh, and at the end of uh, May, I've banked $10,000 and I, I, I manage my own GST and, and, and provisional tax and all those things. How would this have worked under Henry? Or is a florist a bad example? Maybe a plumber. Uh, a plumber. Fl florist, plumber, they're, they're all great examples. Um, so with Henry, when you sign up, you get access to a Henry bank account. And what you do is you get all of the, the self-employed income that you earn paid into that account. What do you, what do you mean you get it paid into that account? So, so say I'm a plumber, I come and you know, yeah. fi fix your toilet, James. Um, are, are you saying that um, you, know, you as the customer don't pay me, the plumber, you pay Henry? So you're, as a plumber, you might raise an invoice to the customer for the work that's been done. So you can raise that invoice to them through Henry and we will send that out to the customer and make sure they receive that. And we'll even chase them down for payment. If they're a few days late, we make sure to remind them to pay and they will pay that directly into, uh, into a Henry bank account. Okay, so my customer, instead of paying me, is paying you. What happens next? So as soon as that money comes in, uh, immediately we will calculate, deduct and pay all of your relevant taxes straight away before passing the money to you immediately. And so what happens is you receive your money within minutes of the client paying and what you get paid is yours to keep. You even get a pay slip so you can prove your income to anyone, just like when you had a permanent job. 
So, so it's really the uh, the advantages of employment, or some of the advantages of employment, the simplicity, the the admin burden being taken away, um, with Henry doing all the hard work behind the scenes. That's right. So we obviously um, calculate and pay exactly the right amount of tax straight away, but we also um, uh, we also file your tax returns for you. So that's your GST and your income tax because you, you put your uh, your expenses into uh, Henry and you snap a receipt on your phone to, to upload an expense. Um, by the time we get to the end of the year, we can file all your tax returns for you with really minimum involvement from, from you as the individual. So this is this is pretty attractive to the you know the typical self-employed person who you know whose kitchen table or quite often their white van is their office and you know I see this on my street all the time white vans with um, you know envelopes from the IRD stacked up so high you can hardly you know you can hardly see to drive so you're you're just taking all that sort of paper-based stuff away and and managing it for us right. Yeah, that's right. So trying to trying to help people to be able to go out and actually do good work for their clients rather than needing to, to worry about um, all of that overhead of expenses because that's that's quite stressful when you're when you're an individual and, and certainly when we when we started Henry it was really about making life easier for for the tradie, for the self employed person, for that for that freelancer that just wants to go and do, I don't know, wedding photography as well as doing a permanent job. It, it's that kind of economy we're seeing really becoming far larger in, in New Zealand and globally. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a minute. But coming back to the payment thing, let's talk about trust. So at the moment, my client, you know, again, let's say I'm a plumber, I unblock their toilet, they give me $100, I've got the $100, I pay the tax. They give the money to you. Why should I, you know, Vaughan's Plumbing, um, why should I trust you to look after my money and give it to me? What's what's stopping uh, you at Henry from saying, yeah, ha, 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 we're off to Brazil, you know, we've, we've got Vaughan the Plumber's money? <laughs> Well, all of the all of the payments are made into uh, a Henry Trust account. So, as an organisation, um, we put strict controls over those accounts to make sure that actually there is no money in that account uh, for the majority of the time. So, if you imagine you get a payment that comes into it, we because it's all automated, we don't really have control over where that money goes. It gets deducted and paid to the tax man straight away. Um, so actually there isn't anything really in those trust accounts that we can ever get access to as soon as you get paid instantly. So if you're not um, making money by, by stealing it and going to Brazil, and let's just assume, <laughs> assume you're not, um, you're not making money by uh, you know collecting interest on the, the millions that will ultimately be in these trust accounts because they'll only be there for you know 30 seconds. How are you mm. making money? So we, uh, we levy a 1% fee against the income that gets paid into the account. So uh, that obviously doesn't include any GST. So if you got your, you did your drain unblocking and you got paid $100, um, then we would take a, a $1 fee for, for processing that for you. But you're absolutely right. We don't make any money off, off other people's money. We don't hold it. We don't tax pool it. That's really just not, not in our nature. I'm talking to James Fuller, co-founder of the, uh, I guess, the, the tax and uh, ACC and KiwiSaver automation platform. Henry, back soon. It's Sunday Social. And welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis. Uh, with me on the line from Wellington, James Fuller, co-founder of the, uh, the, the payments, the tax platform for self-employed people. Henry, James, welcome back. Thanks. We spoke before the break about the sort of uh, the sort of self-employed person that might use this and I you know I, I spoke about plumbers and florists but really it's it's um, much bigger than that tell me about the the population of New Zealanders who are self-employed at least part of the time 
Well, the, the latest figures from MB are that uh, roughly 400,000 uh, Kiwis are self-employed in some way. Um, but obviously, we know that that number is actually just those people who are registered as self-employed. There are a lot of people who are earning income um, doing small odd jobs here and there, certainly in this sort of emergence of what we call the gig economy, where a lot of people are doing short-term contracts for each other. We're starting to see a lot more people become self-employed, everything from uh, wedding photographers, designers, people working in, in offices. The actual the rise of, of contingent working and, and, uh, and casual work is, uh, is huge globally. And where, where do things like, uh, you know, Uber, Airbnb, um, you know, those, those peer-to-peer um, services fit in? So Uber is a great example of what most people think of when, when people talk about the gig economy and the kind of um, this sort of rise in, in digital apps that connect people. But actually, when we look at it, we, we say, well, the gig economy is really self-employed people. And there have, already, there have been self-employed people in, in New Zealand and globally for, you know, for, for decades. And really, the Henry Services is open to all of those people who currently find themselves in self-employment to make it easy for, for anyone to, to get into and, and, and stay compliant within uh, within working independently. Now, for this to work, obviously you needed to have had some pretty uh, productive meetings with the IRD especially. Um, it, it's an interesting dynamic there because if what the IRD was providing to those 400,000 self-employed New Zealanders was, you know, fit for purpose, easy to use, there'd be no need for Henry. So how did those discussions go? They were really positive. Um, as soon as we, as soon as we started those conversations, they were really excited about what we're doing. Um, mostly because when you are a large organisation like IRD, you have to write policy and legislation that caters for every single tiny nuance that could ever come up, which is where some of that complexity comes in. Whereas at Henry, we make everything really simple and focus on just that core market of self-employed people. So IRD are, are, are very big fans of what we're doing, particularly because it means that they, they no longer have to worry about chasing down back taxes. Um, so they recently announced, I think, in the budget last week that they're looking to recover, I think it's $183 million in unpaid tax over the next few years. And they're using Kiwi's tax money to, to fund that, uh, that reclaiming of tax money. So at Henry, we're kind of working closely with them to make sure that chasing back taxes is kind of a thing of the past. So I suppose you're, do, you're doing God's work in that respect. The, the other sort of big, cumbersome organisation that you're uh, competing with, I suppose, are the, the self-service accountancy programmes. Um, yeah, so we don't really see ourselves as competing with those. It's well, you've, you've, got a, you've, got a, you've got a table, an infographic on your website that compares your features to their features, so that kind of feels like competing. It's, it's more we see it as actually that they're not targeted at or set up well for the individual. And a lot of people confuse uh, what they do with being the kind of things that, that individuals need. So if you're, a, if you're an individual, you don't need, uh, you don't need something like a, a, a sort of counting software package to run your business. You don't need to manage a cash book. Um, actually, what you need is, is just a, a simple way to get that tax paid. And, and those kind of softwares, if you're a business, are fantastic. But if you're an individual, it's a little bit trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. Or, or, or crashing a, uh, or crushing a, a, a nut with a, a, a software as a service sledgehammer, I guess. Is <laughs> very much, very much so. Yeah, you're quite right. The other way to say it. So, why you? You know, and, and what brought you to to you know devote your life or a large part of it to solving this particular business problem? Well, this was this was a pain for myself personally and for my my co-founder Claire. We we both went out. Uh, independently, we both went out self-employed about three, four years ago. And uh, as what, if I can ask? 
Uh, so I was working with small businesses um, doing business coaching and uh, Claire was working in government doing uh, doing process work, doing sort of uh, project work in, in government department. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we just found the whole the whole process very confusing. The the whole sort of systems are set up a little bit at odds with how self employment actually works. And I think when we look at it, we we felt as individuals like we were sort of excluded from financial products like mortgages or loans or insurance because we were self employed. And for us, it was a very personal pain of feeling that actually it, it didn't necessarily need to be this way. And, and why didn't why didn't we create a service that made it easier for all self employment uh, self employed people and sort of unlocked access to things like mortgages without people having to produce three years worth of financial statements. So you had this idea and, you know, ideas are easy. Everyone has ideas all the time. Um, what led from that idea to what is now presumably a, an almost market-ready product? Oh, yes. So we've been, we've been market-ready. We've been out in the market for a while now. So we started with... Actually, you know, when we had this original idea, we, we like to test things out. And we had, uh, having learned the, the systems of being self-employed ourselves, we had a couple of close friends who came out of um, permanent jobs and were looking to pursue self-employment. And, and I said to them, hey, look, I know how this works. Let me do your books for you because that will save you the hassle of having to learn all this stuff yourself. And mm-hmm. then obviously there I was, you know, doing two or three people's books on a Sunday night as well as Claire's and mine. And, and that's when Claire and I sat down and said, this has got to be a better way to, to do this. There's got to be a service that we can provide that helps everyone and ourselves to, to just make this easy. And, and then what was the journey from, you know, from that decision to, to where you are now? So we started off just with those uh, with with those couple of first sort of early adopter Henry customers as we call them, mm-hmm. um, and then the it, what's was, the what's the expression with investors um, friends fools and family? <laughs> it's more about the people who put money in earlier, but I, I yeah. think yeah no that they they our, our early customers were, were fantastic. They helped us build out the service, and, and we sort of started our journey of being uh, of being truly customer centric right from the start and learning from our early customers what they wanted, how they operated as self-employed people. And gradually we built out um, the service and the technology um, over time, working closely with people like IRD and ACC um, to get to a point where we did, as you say, have a market-ready product that, that we launched uh, sort of a few months back now and have seen some fantastic growth. So when you say over time, how much time? So we actually took an entire uh, tax year last year. We started with two customers for a few months and then we, we took it up to a limit of 15. And so we had our sort of 15 beta trial customers um, and we've, we've literally just filed all of their taxes for last year and everything's gone through. And, you know, that's a very successful trial for us, at, at which point we were quite comfortable scaling this out. We didn't want to, because it's obviously a very, uh, it's a very sensitive subject for people. We didn't want to try and grow too fast and, and overstretch ourselves. We wanted to prove that Henry worked um, with a small group of people. And, and now we've, we've proven that and we've proven that it, it can be done and, and we do have, you know, as I say, that, that government backing to, to scale this out. So I'm guessing, um, you know, 1% of every toilet unblocking is, is going to require quite a, lot, quite a lot of plumbers to be, uh, to be signed up for this, you know, for this to be profitable. Um, how's how's the, the customer growth going at the moment? It's, it's very good. So as I say, we, we started in, uh, we launched out publicly towards the end of March with those sort of 15, 20 customers. Oh, we so quite new, quite new. Quite relatively new in terms of the in terms of the marketing out to the customers, but in yep. terms of yeah, the service, it's been around for over a year now. Um, and since then, we've now grown to uh, well over 100 customers. 
Um, and as I say, that's everyone from, from the plumbers, from the florists, all the way through to uh, sort of project managers or uh, you know, people working in the film and TV industry. So if I'm a self-employed person, I'm currently paying hundreds of dollars a year for some, um, you know, overhyped online uh, accounting system. How do I stop doing that and switch to Henry? What's what's the process? How long does it take? What are the what are the pain points? It's, it's really simple. One of the things that we did over the last year or so is to take any of the hassle out of actually signing up for Henry. So you log on to our website, which is uh, henry, H-N-R-Y.co.nz, and you uh, just need to put in some basic details and your IRD number, and then you're set. You instantly, within two minutes, you get access to a Henry account, and you just start getting paid into it, and you get paid out instantly, and we manage everything else from there. So I could be listening to this tonight and say, right, I'm going to do this, and by bedtime, uh, I'm on board with Henry. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, we've worked hard to make sure it takes less than two minutes to sign up, and the only thing you need in your hand when you sign up is your IRD number. Everything else you, you should pretty much know off by heart. Which, and, and to, to be honest, most, because you have to put it in so many places so many times, most uh, self-employed people have a very good idea of their IRD number. Um, last question, why the name? Do you not know how to spell Henry? <laughs> it, it, we love the fact that everyone always asks. No, when we first started out, we wanted to. We knew we wanted to have the name of a person, and we we surveyed a whole load of people to say, "What's the name of someone who's trustworthy and reliable, but friendly, and uh, and someone who's maybe maybe a good laugh, someone you might like to hang out with?" And people came back with the name Henry, and and we loved it. So we we as a good uh, a good startup company, we dropped the E and we spelled it H N R Y. Um, but it's fantastic. We love the fact that people ask with something quite special about us, that people are always interested to know whether perhaps I have a child called Henry or, or someone who works here called Henry. H-N-R-Y.co.nz. So your, your advice for startups is to drop an E. So, 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 so to speak. Hey, James Fuller from uh, henry.co.nz. Thanks so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Thanks, Paul. Hey, and you can listen back to that whole entire interview at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday social or on the podcast. Who knows? You might be listening to the podcast now in the distant future. After the break, Anna Connell with the apps, websites and ticky-ticky goodness of the week. Back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social and welcome back to the chair, Anna Connell. How are you, Anna? Kia ora, Vaughan. I'm very well. How are you? I'm I'm well. I'm so well you could lower a bucket down me and and bring up cool clear water. Mm, lovely. That's exceptionally well. <laughs> Little well joke there. Hey, it just it just occurred to me. It just occurred to me that um, had this been like a year ago, I would have announced you as um, doing social media for BNZ. Aren't you glad you're not? Yeah, yeah, they didn't have a great day yesterday. I do feel for them, though, because I've been on the end of that stuff before, and it is not nice. It is not nice at all. All all the electric banking, all the electric banking not working. And the none, electric banking, and, I love it. And none of us, none of us with uh, money in our pockets. But what surprised me, and I, we didn't I did, we didn't prepare for this. So no, 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 that's you, fine. You're not even the woman to talk about it, but you're here. Um what surprised me is it appears that uh, all our electric banking comes via, via a pipe from Australia. The trans Tasman so cable. So they, they go down, we go down. Well, not necessarily and not all the time. In, in that case. But there, there's case. definitely a connection there. In the um, great Saturday outage of 2018. Yeah, those ones on Saturday are really awful. And the ones that affect cards are the 
are the worst because people just get very angry that they can't pay for their groceries, which is fair enough. I think the, the interesting thing for me, rather than the, the out, because I know how complicated and awful they are, so I'm not going to get into ragging on the bank, is the way our money management behaviour has changed, where it is now so real-time that we are reliant on having our balances right there in front of us on our app so that we know exactly how much money we've got. And if we don't have it in that account, we transfer it around. And I think that's probably the biggest change. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, among, like a lot of other people, you know, if I go into a place that uh, doesn't take a credit card and I I don't keep money in my check account, I'll quite often Mm. transfer money into that check account while I'm queuing for my my curry or whatever it is. I'll do it right at the terminal, you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that that is why these things, they hit and they hit really, really hard now. We're pretty reliant on it. Hey, um, one thing we're not quite yet reliant on, but is um, making its way into living rooms and kitchens all around this fine country is smart speakers Mm. like Amazon Alexa. Well, Amazon Echo powered by Alexa. Yes. Subtle distinction. Do you have any of those things in your home? No, I don't. And I don't know if I'm going to get one now. So, so (laughs) we've spoken about these a little bit on the show in the past. So a smart speaker is um, literally a speaker about the size of a beer can, most of them, um, that are constantly on. And the reason they're on listening, they should call them smart microphones, but people wouldn't like that. No, they wouldn't. But it's actually closer to the truth because Mm. these things have multiple microphones and they are sitting there, whether they're from Apple or Google or Amazon or Microsoft, sitting there waiting for you to say the certain magic words like, hey Alexa or okay Google or, or hey Siri in order to then do your evil bidding. But sometimes it can go wrong, can't it? Yeah, it can. So this was a very creepy little story that was out this week about the fact that Alexa is listening uh, more than you realise. So a family in Portland, Oregon, got a phone call uh, where the voice on the other line said, I like to imagine this person was wearing, like, hacker gloves and a balaclava, but I don't think they were... Um, that said, unplug your Alexa devices right now, you're being hacked. And what had happened is that Alexa in their home had recorded a conversation and then sent it to that person. So there were sort of a series of kind of obvious sort of mistaken prompts for Alexa. Alexa thought that she heard them say, you know, okay, Alexa, and thought that she heard them say blah, blah, and thought that she heard them say sent to this contact. So essentially... The rec- Alexa is recording all of that and then randomly sending it to a contact in your phone. Now, but because, like, because it thinks you it thinks it's hearing prompts, it. right? But I don't know. Like that, it's just a little bit creepy for me. And how do you stop that? You can't stop that. Well, I all the all the spy movies I've ever seen tell me what you should do is go into the bathroom and turn on the shower and all the taps and then have your conversation. So you so have, have no your conversations, conversations at home. Just have them in the bathroom with the water running. Yeah, with the water running. Okay. Because the white noise it, it, um, it confuses the bugging devices. Or just don't get one of them. No, I love them. <laughs> I love them. I've got um, several. Um, so I've got I've got a couple of Google ones. Yeah. And 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 an Alexa. Yeah. Oh, I think it's a lot of fun. Oh no! Look, I, look, my father's bought one, and I don't. I'm pretty sure it hasn't been awoken yet. And God knows what catastrophe will unfold when it is. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just it's a little bit of a. I'll, I'll probably get one. I, but from, I mean, you've got one on your phone anyway. You know, when I say okay, Google, and you'll. My phone just woke up, right? Yeah, uh, I know. And, and, it, and, we, and we now know that, you know, there's a very high possibility that 
the amount of microphone access that we give a number of apps means that they can also record what we're saying. Yeah, you've got to re- you've got to read those terms and conditions. Um, for for me, it's it's just symptomatic. Of, it's an early stage technology, and over time, and quite a short amount of time, Alexa and and Siri and all these other online entities will get much much better at understanding mm. what we're really saying. Mm, okay. I think so. It'll it'll be okay. I'm okay. not actually like a techno kind of um, freak out sort of person, but that one was just weird. That one was weird. Okay, well, how about this for weird? Um, did you look at this uh, Instagram account that I sent you? I did. This 19-year-old, 19, 19 I'm doing air quotes, um, fashion world influencer with more than one million followers. Yeah, so her name is uh, Little Michaela, Lil, Lil Michaela on um, Instagram. Michaela Salsa or Sousa, I'm not sure how she Sousa. likes it. But for reasons that will become clear, um, she doesn't care. Uh, Yeah, 19-year-old influencer, a million followers. Uh, She works as a model. You can see the latest fashions on her. You can see her in the coolest places she's been on the covers of magazines. I know. Except she's not real. She is artificial intelligence well she's well she's a she's photoshop computer generated yeah right? so she's yeah. she's like the characters on avatar she's com- she's a computer generated personality yeah i suppose and despite that everyone everyone knows it i think Early on, they might not have known it, but over time, it's become an open secret. And the images, if you look even not that closely... Um, yeah, I know, it's pretty obvious. It is pretty obvious. And, and they've made a choice. Her creators have made a choice to make her look a bit unreal. Because they could easily have made they it They could have made real, it look right? more real, yeah. So they made, they made it look unreal. So they're definitely not trying to... It's not a have... It's a more no. of an experiment, and whether well, the, people will follow a commu- computer-generated person. Well, there there have been there have been movies on this presence um, on this premise in the past about actress an actress who was created in in CGI. Oh, right, yes, and yep. and they tried to you know make it hide the fact that she was fake, but it turns out uh, this one this one has always been fake. Um, but does it matter? Does it matter? Because, I mean, I've never met a Kardashian. I probably never will meet a Kardashian. They seem to me to be completely unreal. I Look, I don't know if it... Man, I think it's a very interesting thing to do. I think it's an interesting kind of experiment, and I like those kinds of things. Um, whether or not it's got long-term legs, I don't know, because there is still something about following people on social media because... Feels like it shortens the distance people, between people you and like them. Me. It's a people connection like me, yeah. thing and an authenticity thing. Not that there's anything authentic about Kim Kardashian, but yeah, I don't know. I, li- I like that it's been done. I'm just not sure whether or not it's something that will become an enormous kind of trend. What What if we did it on the news? What if, What if News Hub Live was presented by a virtual, a, a convincing but virtual figure? Bring what, it on. Bring it on. Would that be? A, and we could, and we could, and the, and the money we saved, we could spend on this show. Exactly. Otherwise, I've got to do all my so, own sound effects. Here's a dog. Woof woof. You and I could be driving around in Teslas or something. We could be driving around in cars <laughs> instead of having to walk here. So, um, Instagram.com/slash/lilmcquayla. Have a look at that. And of course, if you want to get onto Instagram and you haven't been on for a while, the first hurdle you will need to overcome is. <gasps> What's my Instagram password? Oh, Let's talk about passwords. I hate passwords. I ha- you used to work at a bank. I hate... Uh, I know. I So there's been this study done um, from... What well, was a study of 
61 million leaked passwords by Virginia Tech University and a security firm called Dashlane. And they had a look at some of the most common passwords. And they are as predictable as anything. People using 123456, people using FU, I love you, uh, a whole lot of really, really obvious passwords. But then the advice that they give around <laughs> passwords... Read you know, it out. Read out. Read out every word of it. New this York is based security no, company. No, the, the, the the advice. Yeah. Just read the advice. So Dashlane recommends creating a unique password for every online account, which avoids common phrases, slang, places, or names. According to Dashlane, these passwords should always exceed the minimum eight characters and include a mixture of case-sensitive letters, numbers, and special symbols. Wah, wah. No, so I have to do all my own. Do you know things. how many online <laughs> accounts I have? I don't, I don't know how many you, I have. I, I, I'm going to say hundreds. I'm, I was going to say 100. I would say hundreds. E- easily. You rack them up. Yep. You rack them up. Every time you want to buy something, they say, yep. create an account. Yes, no. <gasps> so guess what, Dashlane? I have four passwords that I rotate because my brain is not a computer and I cannot remember more Download than that. my password <laughs> and rotate, as they used to say. But here's the good news, and this excites me. It's already happening. It's already here. It can work. There are 10 ways we can get rid of passwords forever and basically it's biometric recognition. Yes, as I said to you, scan my retina already. I This is great. So there, this is already in place, right, because we have Touch ID for our phones. You can Touch ID on a number of um, banking apps. You can already do voice recognition and biometrics on when you ring banks and things like that. So it is coming, but, you know, I didn't know about things like palm vein recognition. Well, it needs... It needs it needs to come quicker. So face recognition happens on my phone already. Yeah. Uh, so long as I don't have a twin, or I do have Mahi Drysdale, um, that is pretty secure technology. Well, most of these, actually, they, they combine two. Mm. And when you combine two, the chances of, of faking them are infinitesimal. Uh, voice recognition. Yes. Great. But voices are becoming easy to fake through, oh, yes, through those through sort of deep faking voice yes. things. Fingerprints, those are good. Hard to fake. For hard to fake. Although I did see a movie where you, I know how to recreate one. Mission Impossible. Um, <laughs> hard to fake, easy to scan. Uh, behavioural biometrics, I really love this. And I heard about this a couple of years ago. A New Zealand bank, not the one you worked at, um, was working with an Israeli, Israeli um, company around the way your mobile phone was held and moved. Oh, yeah, I remember saying that. Yeah. The way it was yeah, held yeah, and moved. Because yeah. so, you've got a motion sensor. Uh, keystroke recognition. This is really cool. So the way, you know, let, let's say your password is QWERTY123, the way you type QWERTY123 and the way I type QWERTY123 will be very, very different and it'll be distinctive to you and to me, which is kind of cool. Love it. Palm vein recognition. It sounds like a sort of cheese. I'm just looking at my palm veins yeah. now. So shine a light at your, your hand. Look at all those palm veins. Look at them. Look at them. A spider's web of yes. palm veins. Yes. That's unique. Iris recognition. That's very Mission Impossible. Love it. But it's real. It exists, especially in the military right now. Heartbeat. Okay. Heartbeat. Heartbeat. I so didn't know they were so unique. Our heartbeats are sufficient. Well, they're unique enough so that we can use them with another um, two-factor, another um, password technology to be unique. So heartbeat you can measure, of course, through the camera on your phone. What? Yeah. So, well, there's two ways. There's two ways you can do it. Um, there are heartbeat apps that just look at your face through the camera. No. And the camera is so sensitive, it can tell when your face goes even pinker, when your heart goes boom, and then less pink when it goes shh, boom, shh, 
like that. This is useful stuff. This is useful stuff. Yeah. Um, and the other way is you put your thumb over the camera with the with the um, the light on it can sense the the blood going through your through your bits and pieces. Oh, so uh, you don't even need to wear a smartwatch no. or anything. Uh, and finally, hand geometry. My hand's a different shape to your hand. And the last one's good, but a little bit invasive because every time you sign on to banking, you've got to give them some blood. Mm, um, no. DNA, <laughs> DNA biometrics. So uh, I think we can be pretty confident that um, by the time we get to show number 300 of uh, Sunday Social, passwords will be a thing of the past and we'll be just using our bodies, our bodies to get us into banks. I've been doing that for years. Thank hey, God. after the break, the apps you just cannot live without. Back soon. It's Sunday Social. Everything you need to know about social media with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. Nine minutes to eight. Graham Hill standing by for the weekend variety wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis with you through to them with Anna Connell. Welcome back. Hi. Apps, eh? Aren't they rubbish mostly? Mostly? Yeah, but there's some really good ones. What's the most there? rubbish app you've ever, ever downloaded? You've wasted your zero cents on. Oh, I mean, I'm, you're a lover. You're a lover, not a hater. No, I'm so ruthless, though. Like, if I download something and it's crap, I delete it straight away. So I can't really remember. But I have downloaded some absolute rubbish before. I think some of the, like, face-alterating... Oh, yeah, there was, like, Moustache app and, Those and ones are Skinny Man really app. really stupid. They were pretty stupid. You went, oh, this is... Oh, yeah, I've the, the The two dumbest apps I've ever, ever struck, and one was just dumb-dumb, and one was so dumb it was clever. Um, and Mr. Brislin, Mr. Paul Brislin agrees with me wholeheartedly on the first one. Um, the Hector's Dolphin app. No, I never downloaded it. There's an app just in case you see a Hector's dolphin. What? So, aren't there like only 60 of them in the there's world? Only, there's, only four, <laughs> there's, only, there's only four of them. Sorry, There's only Hector's four dolphin. of them. And if you happen to see one, there's a special app. You can enter its details into the app. Great. If, if that Indeed. is, you're in a part of the ocean that has good 3G coverage. And your phone is waterproof? And your phone is... And your phone you is, on a boat? Well, I mean... I don't know. I don't know the <laughs> use case. Use but case. Uh, I suspect they've got a lot of uh, juicy, juicy government money to make it. And the, the other most useless app for me ever was but also so cheeky and useless you think it's actually quite cool. Um, a ruler app. Oh, yeah. Have I, I told you about this? Yeah, I can't. I think you might have, yes. It's so cool. Oh, ruler app. I'd love a ruler app. So clearly it must use the motion sensor or something or the camera in your phone to measure things. It didn't. So you didn't download it. the ruler app and all it is is a picture of a ruler scaled to fit your screen. <laughs> so you can use your phone as a ruler. You might, the, the app could, could be available as a sticker that you could stick on the back of your phone. Yeah. Um, you've got an app that is is neither rubbish nor so rubbish that it's good you've got an app that's actually good good yeah no so this is a just a cute little um quick shout out really to a new zealand um or a new zealander called paul dixon who started a charity called oki which is about getting kids to do gardening so he, i need i need my kids to do the gardening does, well, he, does he even doesn't he have an app to get the kids to do vacuuming as well and i'd quite like a garden anyway so he's going into primary schools and helping them build a whole lot of little gardens and stuff but um he's also been working with aut ventures i think and they've developed a augmented reality app so that when the kids are out in the garden and they've got a little um like a physical little ar augmented reality marker they stick in their gardens when they scan that 
they get a little overlay of all the things that they should be doing to the garden at that particular point in time. So, so, a so when they're, they're staring through their their smartphone mm. at their, their their sad little radish seedlings, yes. it's always radishes. Well, it's they're easy rad- to grow. Easy to grow and, and, and awful to eat. Um, they, they'll have all sorts of sort of Mission Impossible style, style information pop up on the screen. Yeah, so there's the a little radish. little character, a little acorn character, which I think I figured out is voiced by Kimberly Crossman. Um, so a little animated character. I was wondering how she was going. Well, it's probably it's probably not a bad gig. It's probably not a bad um, gig. Or she's done it out of the goodness of her heart because it's a charity. Uh, and, yeah, so it takes you through little checklists of what you need to be doing in the garden um, based on what's in the garden. And there's one for autumn and then I think they're looking at developing one for the rest of the seasons. But I just thought it was a lovely little charity and a really actually useful use of augmented reality. That sounds kind of neat and uh, probably one to download now and then be ready for spring. Yeah, so it's on the app store OKE. Just look for OKE. Okay. OKE. Yeah, it might only be something that's associated with the schools and things like that, but um, Paul Dixon deserves a bit of a shout out for doing this. And oh, he's, I, I he's hope a, it goes big. He's a good dude, Paul Dixon, Dad's Patch. He was, I uh, had him on the show last year. Yeah. He was, um, he, he is also um, one of the quite small band of daddy bloggers mm, as that's opposed right. to a mommy blogger. And uh, yeah, really entertaining, interesting guy. Um, colour. Colour, colour, colour. I'm t- I'm, I, I work in, um, you know, advertising and marketing and design, as, as do you. Yeah. And I struggle sometimes to describe colours to people. Um, chartreuse, for example, I don't even know what that is, and taupe, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> um, turns out, turns out there is a whole family of apps where you can just point your phone at things and it will describe to you what the colour is. Isn't this cool? I love it. I do really love it. You've shown it to me. It's only available for Android at the moment, but you say it's coming for... Well, this this one's called Colour Grab. Um, colour Grab, American spelling of colour. I guarantee there will be um, equivalents available for iPhone users. Um, it's free, and it sort of solves that problem. You know, you're, you're out on the town, and you see someone wearing a pair of pants, and you think, that particular shade of green would be perfect with my toilet wall. Now, in the olden days, you would have had to grab a pair of scissors and cut a square of fabric from that person's pants. Totally normal There are behavior. many, many reasons why that's a bad idea. <laughs> no, it's really not good, and I don't know how many people would have actually done it for. Well, the main, the main reason is the, the, you know, the most colourful pants are seen in Wellington. To get there, you have to fly. You can't take the scissors on the plane. No, See, it's a Im- logistical nightmare. Impractical. Now, all you have to do is sneak up behind them and take a photo of their pants. Yeah, well, I mean, look, who doesn't do that anyway, to Well, be that's okay. Photos of strangers. That's okay. You can say, well, I'm not, I, I'm not, being, I'm not being creepy. Uh, well, not, not above baseline anyway. Um, I'm using the app ColorGrab. So you take the photo, and the app tells you that's, you know, um, medium lime green. Not only that, it gives you all the fancy hex codes. Oh, so it and gives you the hex and the RGB. Yeah, and yeah, all, all, cool. all, all the things that web developers need, mm. all the things that uh, printers need, all the things that uh, interior decorators might need, which I think is really cool. It's awesome. It's like I use a little thing called Colorzilla on my um, laptop and it does the same Colorzilla. thing. Colorzilla. Colorzilla. You just pick a pick a colour on your screen and it. this is like the real world version of it. I love it. It, it is. It's kind of neat. And there's um, not yet available for Color Grab, but in, in its future, um, they're going to bring out a version for the visually impaired. So, you know, they're trying to describe what's in front of them to people. Mm. Uh, that's a really um, strong use case. But also science so and, and industry. So, you know, is this apple ripe? Is that, uh, is that I don't know, skin inflamed? There's all sorts of is applications for this. Is my nose being bitten by a bee? Because that's ha- what it looks like at the moment. 
Your dog's nose has been bitten by a bee. Oh, he's got a swollen snout. We don't know why. Oh, no one wants we a dog. We need an app for that. Well, there, there, there are telemedicine apps, but I think they're missing the boat, aren't they? Because Pets. Um, pets. We will do anything for our pets, and we will pay, yeah. we will pay any amount of money to do stuff for our pets. So move over telemedicine, move in televeterinarianism. Pets can't talk. So they're like, are they even a worse patient than humans? So I think maybe we should do that. Let's have a chat afterwards. Well, we could. <laughs> there, there are, um, uh, and 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 of course, there's a there's a real there's a real gap in the market. If I were inventing the perfect pet app, um, there's a gap in the market for for a dog translator. I think the Simpsons may have pioneered one. Oh no, that was a baby translator. Yeah, it was for Maggie. That was yeah. a baby translator. Yeah. Um, but a dog translator? Would you yeah. want to know? Would you want to know? The dog, you know, dog, dog goes, <laughs> and you put it through the thing that says, um, I resent you. I'm, 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 I hate I'm, you. I'm, I'm only here for the food. This house is a prison. Come, come, come sweet hand of death, take me now. That's what, the, that's, what, that's what all our dogs, that's what all our dogs are secretly saying, really, Could isn't be, it? Could be, yeah. But some sort of dog app. I think the, 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 it's a real insight. There is uh, enormous, enormous um, willingness on the part of pet owners to spend whatever it takes to make the little fellas happy. Hey, Anna Connell, thank you so much for joining me tonight on Thanks the show. For me, Vaughan. Thank you, James from Henry, no E, Henry, uh, and of course Sarah Ann Yasmin in the booth. Next up, the weekend variety wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis. Nighty night.